Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. I can't believe we made it to a year since this podcast was created. I want to thank all of you for sharing these episodes with colleagues and friends. We are up to almost 800 downloads, and we have listeners in 14 countries and 45 of the 50 U.S. states. And we're always looking for new topics you'd find helpful, or maybe you heard something you just think other world changers would love to hear. We would love to hear from you. Um, You can send us a message on our Facebook page, or you can email us at organizingforchange, the four is spelled with the number four, at gmail.com. We're excited about some of our upcoming guests in the new year, and we can't wait to share with all of you. Our special guest for episode 12 is Jennifer Rowe. She's the assistant district attorney to the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office, and she's the director of the Crime Prevention Unit. Jen's been a powerful organizer of change, working to bring together all the communities represented in Norfolk County to support them in creating community coalitions. Each month, community coalitions in Norfolk County meet together at their office to share information, best practices, receive training, and work to collaborate on reducing substance misuse. Her offices have also provided financial support to coalitions and raised a public profile of coalitions as well. I could go on and on about the great work Jen and the DA have accomplished, but I think it will be better if you hear it directly from her. So without further ado, my conversation with Jen Rowe. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing in regards to community change and reducing substance use disorder in Norfolk County. Well, I think our approach is really sticking to the information that comes to us naturally and the people that we connect with naturally as the DA's office. So, um, you know, really we, um, we have traditional partnerships and relationships within our public school districts and within our first response agencies. And I think um, we're effective because we're taking advantage of those trusted long-standing relationships and using them as a conduit for the information that we get through our caseload and through our work with student discipline and uh, court-involved younger people um, and obviously some some of our caseloads. So we're taking that information and um, really being transparent with what we've learned in terms of the driving force behind substance use um, particularly among younger younger people, so that parents and educators and everyone who has a hand in raising healthy kids and living in safe communities know what we do. And I think a big part of what has made us good at that is taking those relationships and extending them to new partners um, in healthcare, I think probably most importantly, but also others with a medical role in our schools. So when you think about the importance of school nurses and high school athletic trainers with our kids, and you think about um, the opportunity that those professionals have to intervene with 
a student who might be struggling with substance use. Um, it's a really powerful thing for parents in particular, I think, to hear from the people they trust with taking care of their kids day in and day out that, um, you know, that they are able to know it when they see it and intervene and, and really share information in a in a um, an effective and and real time sort of way for for our kids and that's what's that's really sort of um, the kind of response that we're used to seeing through law enforcement and now we're having that immediate um, dedicated response from new partners and I think um, you know that willingness from leadership top down in our agencies setting the tone that this is what we're going to do we're gonna, we're we're willing to do. Um, things that are beyond our traditional job description because we want to do everything we can to make our community healthier and safer, um, prevent overdose, prevent impaired driving, and, and that's really what makes us special, I think, in Norfolk County. Yeah, definitely. So when you talk about doing things over and beyond just the normal, traditional scope of work, what kinds of things would you be talking about or tell us some success story about just kind of stepping outside of the box? What does that look like? Well, for us, um, it's, uh, I think probably one of our greatest successes is navigating some of the information sharing barriers that we have run up against um, with overdose prevention. And so when you think about some of the gaps because of HIPAA and other barriers in sharing information, even, even you know, with healthcare, um, you know, DA Morrissey's leadership in planning and hosting uh, safe prescribing and dispensing conferences for all who are charged with those really important decisions about access to pharmaceuticals in our county is really, you know, such a forward-thinking project. And we had that conference for the second time uh, just about 10 days ago. And so close to 300 healthcare professionals who are really entrusted with that very important decision about whether to prescribe or dispense um, opioids and other pharmaceuticals to our families um, and sharing with them, you know, what we've learned in reviewing fatal overdoses in terms of uh, medication combinations and risk factors was really, uh, I think, eye-opening for people who are so educated in so many important ways, but because of gaps in information, don't know what law enforcement sees when they respond to a 911 call to save a life from overdose. And I think that that's really, I think, a, a prime example of how we're taking our stance as, you know, with DA Morrissey as the chief law enforcement officer, the information that comes to him naturally because of our role in those cases, and then extending that data to anyone and everyone who can do something with it and change the way that um, communities to make us safer. That's just something powerful that I noticed at the conference is that you bring together just p people who would never interact with each other. You think they would interact with each other, but um, bring those people together. There are so many of those aha moments where you realize how connected we all are and just how important it is to build those relationships right. and share. But you were going to tell us another story. Well, you, and you reminded me of one of those moments, too, and I think it's, it's an example of that um, from the conference. And, you know, one project that we're doing is, is um, the Norfolk County CARES Outreach Project, where we um, receive information about a successful reversal, um, and fortunately we have lots of 
of naloxone saves in Norfolk County because every cruiser engine and ladder is equipped with nasal naloxone. And so when, when you have um, an opportunity to connect with and, and household members of someone struggling with addiction, and we can share that information, um, inform, you know, information about local resources and support for those who love someone struggling with substance use. We, we're in, I think, a way that is, is really making a difference. And for the first time, and really working in overdose prevention, we've seen a decrease, a significant decrease in fatal overdoses in Norfolk County in the last four months. And that, that's the first glimmer of um, good news and hopefully the effectiveness of some of the strategies that are in place to, um, to try to target uh, some of these problems. But I think, you know, that that's another example of, well, we, we'd certainly get information about where there's a save. Um, well, let's connect with those people at a time when they'll be most receptive and have an appetite for that information before their loved one returns home from the emergency department so that they, this is an environment that's um, better suited to navigating successful recovery, um, you know, for that person. Definitely. I think something else that really is so amazing that you do is that you bring in coalition leaders. And so sometimes just your average person thinks there's nothing I can do about this, but you have a monthly group that meets with parents and community workers and just all different sectors of coalitions that come together. And you had tasked them to do a project around access to naloxone at pharmacies. Can you tell healthcare yeah. providers to hear that? Right. So that that was um, really an effort to prepare our pharmacies for the Norfolk County CARES outreach program because part of that program is providing residents of Norfolk County who've just had a loved one saved by first responder naloxone with information about about resources and making them aware of that naloxone is available without a prescription um, at our retail pharmacies. And so by sending sort of our undercover shopping project is, is how we kind of think. We sent out leaders and, and community um, members to pharmacies what that experience was like and if they, um, if they were stocked with naloxone, if they were able to, um, if they knew that they had a standing order and how to really work through the retail purchase of naloxone uh, in our 120 pharmacies. And the response, like anything in life, was, was really varied. I think, you know, some really great experiences where, you know, our undercover shoppers were met with uh, respect and sensitivity. Um, they, the, the pharmacy, um, you know, the pharmacist or the pharmacy tech was was very well versed in, you know, naloxone and, and gave a demonstration on how to um, how to use the applicator and how to how to assemble everything. And then unfortunately there were some really bad outcomes where um, you know the undercover some parents who had lost a child to overdose were actually greeted with questions like, you know, are you the addict? Because the addict has to be here. Um, to get naloxone or, you know, suggestions that to buy medicine that isn't intended for you personally um, is, is insurance fraud. And I think 
um, playing that video of those undercover shopping experiences um, was really eye-opening for pharmacists in Norfolk County. And I think um, a really teachable moment, um, not just about naloxone, what it is, how to ring it up, those kinds of things, but more importantly, that if someone's in a pharmacy making a request of that nature, it, they're at a really, uh, they're at a crossroads in their lives, is in harm's way, and they you know, a very respectful, knowledgeable, professional response to that request. Um, and, and it should be done in a way that the 20 busybodies in line behind you aren't a part of that conversation, that it's private um, and, and really, I think, respectful. And I, I'm hopeful that that uh, was the message from that project. Definitely. I felt that too. I was thinking just that's just one way that you've brought in unique partners uh, to the table. And I know that's at the grassroots ground level, but you've also done things um, as far up as you can go too. And I was thinking about just some of the different meetings where you convened unlikely partners into the same room. Can you tell us about any of those types of meetings and just different partners that you brought to be around the table um, to reduce uh, substance use disorder and prescription over-prescribing? Sure. I think, um, you know, some of our, as I mentioned before, high school athletic trainers, for example, not a typical partner of ours um, and, and actually really tricky to connect with because they are employed by hospitals and not by the school district. And um, But really our data demanded that we find a way to connect with them. And, you know, while Chapter 52 of the Acts of 2016 require universal expert screening and, and that screening for, you know, kids who are at risk for substance use, well, I think, you know, almost invariably be done by a school nurse you know, our data was telling us that, that student-athletes who were prescribed postoperatively following an orthopedic injury in high school were really some of the most vulnerable, um, you know, our most vulnerable population. And that data really, um, you know, called out for specific attention from, a, you know, a, a prevention strategy. And so we brought in our high school athletic trainers for um, not just naloxone training, but SBIRT training so that they, too, you know, while they're training, uh, while they're, um, you know, working with an athlete and taping them from an arm's length away and having conversations about range of motion and tolerating pain and those kinds of things, they, they can also ask those questions to identify, you know, a beautiful young kid who's struggling with their medication following, you know, and I think that is that's a really good example of someone who's in a who already is in a position to connect with kids, um, yet isn't isn't one of the usual invitees to a to a meeting. And I think that was a really special and effective way of pulling in, you know, someone that that kids already look up to, that they're already a part of their lives. They trust them. They talk about things, and now there are partners um, in in this work. Um, our prescription drug task force was really an effort to accomplish the same kind of thing with different professionals too. So, so um, you know, pharmacy directors from Mass Health and and Blue Cross and Harvard Pilgrim and you know our, our other friends on the enforcement side together to um, to find new strategies to to help our healthcare professionals understand some of the. The, the things that we're seeing in our data and, and find ways to make it um, less challenging for them, um, you know, on the front end of prescription 
uh, writing to make more informed and safer decisions for their patients. So if a detective knows to ask those questions at the scene of an overdose, we certainly hope that a, that a doctor would have the wherewithal to ask questions about substance use on the front end. And I think we're, we're making progress in connecting those dots for, for healthcare. That's one thing that I found really amazing. I just watched a bunch of different health insurance providers and just people who could be, um, or agencies that could be competing against each other, all working together during the conference to educate the folks in the room and do the same thing. And it was powerful for, for everyone in the room to see just a, a bunch of different people who could be competing against each other, but all working together to accomplish the same thing. And Definitely kudos to all right. of you uh, for leading the way. I also love what you do on the protective factor side when it comes to young people. Uh, just tell us a little bit about um, Team Rival and just all the great initiatives that you've come up with for young people on a protective side. So Team Rival is one of my favorite projects. I think it's um, really a combination of you know, my two passions as a prosecutor and, and as a parent, and it really is a way of, of kind of triggering interest in high school age students and substance use prevention work, but in sort of a, you know, a, a competitive way. And so, um, you know, I grew up in Norfolk County. My kids are grown up in Norfolk County and, and um, kind of exploited the rivalries between all of our 34 public high schools by um, this team rival project. So uh, essentially, I've matched up rival high schools. Um, I grew up in Walpole, and Walpole's traditional rival is Norwood. So Walpole and Norwood compete throughout the academic year, like all of the other um, rival high schools in Norfolk County. Um, to earn points in this year-long series of challenges that actually kicks off on Sunday, October 15th at Gillette Stadium with our peer leadership conference. And that's a, this, this is a project that's funded in part by the Drunk Driving Trust Fund Prevention Education and Training Grant. And it's, a, it's an incredible way of targeting funding that drunk drivers pay into at the time of their conviction to really work with, you know, beautiful young kids in preventing underage drinking and substance use. And so the conference is really um, a celebration of kids who make good decisions. Um, each public high school is invited to send a delegation of 10 um, students who are leaders in their school. And it doesn't have to be the usual suspects, which is my favorite part of the project. It's not the kids who say they're a leader, it's the kids who, um, you know, educators know are the ones that their peers look to. And so they sort of serve as our conduit for information for the remaining challenges. So that delegation of students at the Peer Leadership Conference has a chance to be recognized for, for the, the way they treat others and the decisions they make. And then they extend information about our work with distracted driving and participating in our community coalitions and adventures in respect. And I think that, um, you know, they're doing this while they're also earning community service credit toward their graduation requirement. But it's a, it's a way of feeling a part of something special and recognizing the kids 
who are doing the right thing and holding them out as an example. And I think Avon, um, I know Avon is, is um, you know, just incredibly dedicated to this project, and I'm grateful for that. Avon, to me, is the little town that could and um, was one of our only two 100-point winners last year um, in the 2016-2017 the Team Rival Challenge. So Avon High School will be recognized for their incredible level of participation um, and really winning all of the challenges this year, not just against their rivals, but um, against all other high schools in Norfolk County. So um, great job, Avon, and um, looking for another 100-point year um, from you guys at Avon High School. I know the kids definitely plan on that, so I, I don't think they'll <laughs> let you down. It's been really fun to just see how excited that they are about um, just, get, like you said, getting rewarded for doing something positive. I just had another question around, so when you started all of this, getting involved with coalitions and uh, bringing these community partners in, how did this all start? Um, was it a conversation you had with someone? Was it a meeting that you attended? Um, how did this great relationship um, that the district attorney's office has with all the coalitions and all that leadership, where, where did that start? Um, well, I've um, started as director of prevention um, about six years ago, and um, right around that time, we applied for um, the Hal Rogers Category 3 grant, which was the first offering of federal funding to develop data-driven strategies to prevent overdose. And six places in this nation were funded, and one of them was Norfolk County. And so the the overview, really the project that I um, that I requested funding for really sort of broke down our approach um, you know from a from a task force perspective and a law enforcement perspective and needed to have again that conduit of communicating with our residents this really important information and for us that meant um, supporting our existing coalitions and Avon was obviously a DFC funded coalition at the time and and has served as a mentor for so many other coalitions but to to build on that example and and help create coalitions in our other communities so that um, everyone didn't have to work independently so much of this work really doesn't cost that much it's about commitment and finding the right people um, who have the right leverage and interest, the sincere interest in causing change in the town, you know, that they're growing up in and that they're, and that really is our strategy. I mean, I sort of, you know, over the years, um, a lot of our, you know, school leaders and police and fire leaders and um, community leaders and in each community, there's that handful of people that, um, are so committed to, um, you know, making sure that things go well in their backyard, that they're the right people to help build a coalition. And so, you know, the Avons and the Stotons and the, you know, the Needhams and the Weymouths and, you know, the more mature coalitions served as, as examples and mentors for these newly forming coalitions that we were helping to build with this funding. And by bringing in the leaders of each of those groups each month, 
um, everyone was able to kind of benefit from the experience and the knowledge and the, the, the work that had been very well done in the past and extend it um, to each of our 28 communities. And I think that's really what community work is all about. It's, it's sharing information and there has to be a willingness to share, first of all. And I think top down in my office, that's certainly the case. And I, um, I think that coalitions are just by nature so, so generous. And, you know, the people who run them are so willing to help one another that this was, this wasn't, you know, heavy lifting. This was just bringing together people who were like-minded, who, who wanted to, um, you know, really wanted to make a significant dent in substance use and I think have been so effective and successful, um, you know, really because they have a place to share information and, you know, they know what to do with it when they get it. Something that made me excited too is that uh, one of the things you did was pair those coalitions up uh, who are the new coalitions up with more experienced coalitions, kind of ask questions from them and get advice and how did you do this? And I recently saw the Drug-Free Communities Awards come out for this year and two of the awards are new coalitions or newer coalitions that go to your meetings that were mentored by older coalitions in the group. And that is amazing to me to see those two coalitions get funded. It, it is amazing. And as usual, you're being very modest and humble. But you were the mentor for Cohasset, um, Safe Harbor. And for Cohasset to be funded um, as DFC coalitions, when I can remember those very first meetings with, you know, Seagal Reese and Chief Brooks and Tara Noyes and Norwood and, and, you know, the crew in Cohasset and, and the work that you did in, in guiding, um, you know, them so successfully to the point of being DFC funded is extraordinary. There are, there are coalitions that have tried for decades to get that funding um, in different parts of the country and, and don't have it. They don't have the capacity. They don't, the, you know, the, the grant writing is, is challenging for sure. But I think, um, you know, that that having you as a mentor in Cohasset was a critical step. And I know that they know that too in extending, you know, the knowledge and experience that, that you have to another community who is now on their way. You know, another, another segment of Norfolk County is, is federally funded and, and wired in with the resources um, that can really, you know, help all of us. And that, that's just, a, I think, a really proud moment for Norfolk County. I know it is for me. I, it, to me, it's, it's, it's exactly um, what we had hoped would come from this, and it happened much sooner than I ever imagined. Definitely. Thanks. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about. So I'm sure that there are listeners out here who are just amazed at all the work that you have led. Um, and just where do they even start? So if they know that, um, these are things that they want to start or things they want to do in their community, where would you recommend them starting? Well, I think, um, you know, there are coalitions in, in virtually all of our towns. And so if, if, you know, you have an interest or a skill that you want to bring to this effort, that's your starting off point. And you can find 
um, a list of all of Norfolk County's coalitions posted on our website, which is norfolkda.com. Um, you'll also find a lot of our prevention resources and um, you know, victim services resources, um, not just for substance use, but, but for you know, really all of the issues that you know, trigger court involvement and um, you know, are challenging to, to many um, you know, different um, you know, segments of our society. I think safety planning resources, um, you know, with the, the issues we're seeing with violence in relationships, um, obviously a lot of the substance use information is posted on our website, but, but there's a lot of information on a lot of different issues that you can find, um, you know, right there at your fingertips. That's great advice. We have, we um, can actually post that in our show notes too. So if someone's listening and driving, please keep driving. We'll post that in the show notes. And I was thinking too, along the lines of, we have a lot of listeners uh, around the world and maybe you are miles and miles away from Norfolk County, but just use your Google and look for coalitions that are in your area and reach out to them. And if you have no coalitions in your area, I guarantee you that, um, like Jen said, people are generous in the coalition field and they're really willing to take on phone calls. And that's just something I did. I called people all over the country and just grabbed the phone and figured I'll just dial them up and ask for advice or even email them for advice. And I've never had anyone turn us away and say, we're not willing to talk to you about what we're doing and ideas. So, um, you know, just be creative and look for those folks and be willing to ask them for advice. As we wrap up, I was thinking, is there any last minute want to give to our listener audience or any tips, uh, last minute tips that you wanted to throw out there for our listening audience? I think um, really what I've learned in my work with prevention is to be inclusive. I think that, um, you know, what, what frustrates me a little bit is, um, you know, some of the barriers that exist between different agencies for reasons people don't even remember anymore. And I think that given the issues we're facing, you know, that, um, you know, working with police and fire and your school leaders and um, your leaders in healthcare, right in your community, um, being as multidisciplinary as you can in your approach to to solving the problems that your community is facing, and and to be, you know, most of this work doesn't cost any money. It's about it's about building relationships and sharing information um, and working together um, in ways that that target the problems that are specific to your community. And you can't do that if, um, you know, you're only focusing on being the lead agency or you're only focusing on, you know, having your name on a project. The success is in, you know, the life that's saved and in the relationship that's built from, from you know, the, the goodwill that comes from including everyone. And I think the best success has really come from, you know, from being inclusive in your, in your approaches. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Your advice is priceless and I'm excited for our leaders to hear from you. Um, and just thank you again for all the great work that you're doing 
And just uh, thanks to the DA too for being an incredible leader in this area and really using his influence to make such an incredible difference in Norfolk County and the lives of so many. Well, on behalf of DA Morrissey, thank you very much for having me. For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.